Welcome to the Creative Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Avo. I'm a photographer, creative strategist, and an all-round good guy. And I'm going to be speaking my truth, sharing ideas, thoughts, and practical advice for unleashing a creative lifestyle. Hello, my creative people. Welcome back to the Creative Habit Podcast. I hope you're all doing best wherever you are. I'm coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya, just out here enjoying a much-needed change of pace and scenery. I also gave one of my patented talks on creativity a few days ago at the Nairobi Art Center. If you haven't visited Nairobi, I strongly recommend that you do so. I see no reason why we Africans should take all our money to Europe, North America and Dubai, when we have gems right here in our backyard. You know, the whole of East Africa is waiting to be explored it makes no sense, but that's a story for another day. On this episode, I'm going to be sharing some interesting stories from my career thus far. Each of these stories will shed light on aspects of the industry no one talks about and what I took from them. Contrary to popular belief, being a creative is not all fun and games, yo. And it's not just about creating beautiful things. It can get really cutthroat and soul-crushing. The odds are really not in our favor, but it's a labor of love. So, here goes. I'll start with my rookie year as a photographer. South Africa, February 2013. Gosh, those were good times. I had just graduated from uni and I got my first camera, a Samsung mirrorless camera. It was a thing of beauty, white, light, and ahead of its time. It got me all the compliments from the ladies, from the ladies especially. And I spent the next nine months teaching myself the craft, you know, everything from the basics of photography, getting acquainted with my camera, incorporating Photoshop into my workflow. I would spend hours on photography websites, copying the pros and stealing little elements and techniques, adding them to my arsenal. I was part of my progress, and Instagram was responding favorably to my work. It was, it, was, it was a good time, you know. And it was around this time that the opportunity to join the photography team of a popular local magazine came. This was in Santon. I was in Santon, Johannesburg in South Africa. So a local magazine um, had this opening for photographers and stuff. So I felt confident in my portfolio which was crap at the time, but I was convinced that I was the shit. So I took the chance and I applied. I sent in my work. I felt good about my chances. I was sure I was going to blow someone's mind in that office, you know. I was sure that this was in the bag. Keep in mind, this was my first ever attempt at entering the pro leagues. So a few weeks later, I got an email from the editor. It said, Hello, Rodney. Your portfolio was well received. Unfortunately, unfortunately, your images didn't meet our requirements. I was devastated. I felt I felt worthless and alone. The thing is, I was living alone at the time, and I spent most of my time alone anyway, as was required when you're trying to teach yourself a skill. You know, you don't need distractions from, you know, friends who are trying to go out to drink or chase girls or whatever. You know, so I was quite solitary at the time, you know, but my aloneness, my aloneness never registered as loneliness until this setback occurred. Uh, 
And since I was a solitary guy, I had no one to talk to about my feelings or the situation or just, you know, I had to deal with it on my own. And this solitude turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But that's another story for another day. So back to the email. I kept reading and I just, and just before the editor signed off, a few spaces below, he said, persevere, young man. I don't know if he said that to every rejected entrant, but it sounded like it was, it was personal, like it was for me. It was as though he knew I was a newbie and that I was really going to take this rejection hard. You know, it's so rare to get any genuine encouragement in this industry. I know this because I haven't received any such encouragement via email since then. From any stranger or any editor that I've sent my stuff to, it's just a straight, flat-out rejection. You know, and I have been rejected more times than I can remember. So um, I, know what I'm, I, know, I know what this is about. But this particular editor was so kind and so thoughtful as to add those final words. It's like he knew. Without that final touch, I would have internalized the rejection, quit photography, and re- returned to Nigeria to do God knows what. It's a scenario that I'll never forget. I always remind myself of the importance of persistence and perseverance, that any obstacle can be overcome if I, you know, apply some pressure and and don't lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, I'm always tempted as well to tattoo those those three words somewhere in my body, except now the tattoo will say, persevere, young God. (laughs) If you know, you know. This next story highlights the dark side of social media. I wouldn't even call it a dark side. I'll I'll, I'll call it the dumb side even. And here's why. Here's what happened. I met this very beautiful, tall, effing girl through an ex-friend. Yeah, ex-friend. That's a sign that this story is about to go south. Anyway, this girl also happened to be a model, violinist, violinist and an entrepreneur she had the most luxurious afro light brown skin shiny lips and these contact lenses that made her look like a like a character straight out of vampire diaries i knew i had to photograph her she had a look that was so uncommon and she knew it too she carried herself like a freaking amazon you know and she, she was also youtube famous for her violin and makeup content and she had this confidence that I like to capture my photos. She was, she was the perfect muse. She was, that's, yeah, muse. Unfortunately, she never made herself available. Every time I would ask her to pose for me, she would, she would say, okay. But then she would cancel as the shoot date approached. She would always talk about how busy or tired or, you know, not in the mood she was. You'd think we were a couple and I was begging for sex on top ordinary photo shoots. Anyway, I began to entertain the idea that she was not interested, but I had to know why. I had to know, you know, why she was forming for me, you know. I'm a damn good photographer, not a scrub. I was friendly, respectful, and professional. We also had several mutual friends. I ticked all the boxes that would make someone like her, you know, comfortable and, you know, responsive to what I was trying to accomplish. You know, so, on one fateful Saturday morning, I decided to confront her. 
Oh, and by the way, keep in mind that I, I followed her on Instagram at the time. She had influencer numbers as well on there, but she never followed me back. And this is important to the story, for the next part of the story. So I asked her, what was really going on? Why are you dicking me around? And she finally gave me an answer, an honest answer. The type of answer that would turn me off of her for good. She said, you don't have a large enough following. I only work with people who have massive followings. She then added, don't get me wrong. I like your work, but my brand can't work with you right now. <laughs> I've seen some shit out here. In all honesty, I thought that was the dumbest reason for not taking a free photo shoot with a pro. And this, and this is why I call this the dumb side of social media. You know, since when did photography get reduced to mere numbers? When did the number of followers one had determine one's skill and credibility? I get it. Numbers mean something, but they're not everything. And certainly not enough that some babe would use that as a reason to, you know, not let me shoot her. It was actually just, was just whack, actually. Who, who, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, I'm, I'm thinking too much about it or maybe, you know, I can't see what she's saying. But, man, um, damn. After, anyway, after the conversation, our relationship deteriorated from there completely. And I took my follow back. Yes, because I'm petty like that. Yeah, don't judge me. And this same scenario would, would repeat itself a few months later. I had just completed what I thought was a very amazing project um, in my village. You may, you may be familiar with my fantastic Gates of Igbo Land project. If not, go look. So I reached out to a then editor at the Guardian Lifestyle magazine about the possibility of featuring this new epic project on their platform. I reached out via Twitter DM. I sent her a link to the gallery of the, the project. I also gave her my social media info, you know, to verify, you know, who I was. And she replied that, you know, she couldn't feature my work because I didn't have enough of a following to be featured in their publication. And I was like, this is my, this is my, my, my response to her. You know, I, I, I thought that the point of getting featured in such a magazine was to reach an audience that would enable me grow this all-important following, right? It's like an employer that wants a candidate with experience. But how is one supposed to get experience if they're not given the work? I mean, it's, it's so counterintuitive how these people reason. Furthermore, I explained to her that I may not have had a large following, but I had the credentials, the resume, and the body of work worthy of any publication in the mother world. It makes no sense that the gatekeepers would let something as trivial as social media followers take precedence over the actual work. You know, who knew that a world-renowned magazine and an Insta-famous Slay Queen had so much in common? I was, I was disappointed. You know, at this stage, you know, at this stage when this thing happened, I was very familiar with rejection, so I didn't dwell long enough after the conversation ended. I've been published, exhibited, and interviewed more times than I care to remember since then. And my follower count hasn't climbed all that much. So, I mean, 
you know, that's still some kind of weird-ass way to, you know, pick your, your features. Anyway, one way or another, I was able to progress without depending too much on these numbers that everyone is so interested in. You know, I had said a long time ago that I wasn't going to join the influencer rat race. My followers would grow organically or not at all. I'll admit that this stance has cost me opportunities, but aren't we supposed to reward excellence? The ability to create, not the ability to accumulate followers. The creative industry is supposed to be the one industry where access is given based on artistic merit, not on... Not on numbers. It, se- it seems that all I have to do is buy followers and I'll be on the cover of Forbes. And shit, that is, that, that's, imagine how that sounds. And this isn't the, the television or the, or the music industry where numbers are all that matters. Imagine a football club passing up on the next Messi because he has less than 1,000 followers. I mean, am I, I don't know if I'm making sense here. Am I painting a picture with this or am I the one who's, you know, just... <laughs> you know, feeling some type of way. But we shouldn't let these institutions we so respect determine our voice and values. We shouldn't give them so much power as to let the rejections or appraisal of our work affect our sense of self. We shouldn't respect them so much that we see them as the only indicator of success. Which brings me to my last story. I was invited by National Geographic for a portfolio review and the possibility of being awarded a $5,000 grant, right? I was one of 30 finalists out of 200 or so entrants. I flew into Lagos on the first flight from Abuja to make this appointment because $5,000 is no joke. We got, we got to put ourselves in a position to, you know, secure the bag. Anyway, my turn came and my portfolio was reviewed by five judges two of whom were National Geographic editors flown in from the headquarters. So you know this was a really big deal. I had 15 minutes with each of them. And during the review, I engaged in what I thought was a healthy back and forth with each judge. You know, just banter and sharing ideas, a proper conversation between adults. And I was just being myself. I would tell them confidently and calmly, respectfully, that while I see why another photographer would handle a certain scene differently, these are the reasons I captured the shot in a, in a certain way. So, for example, one of the editors told me, and I quote, At National Geographic, we don't shoot like this, we shoot like that. Close quote. And I would simply explain my creative process and what I was trying to achieve when I, when I shot the way I shot it. Keep in mind that the individual process and intention of the artist is more important than any preconceived rules. I think, I think they expected me to just sit there and take it because a few days later, a friend of mine who is close to the Nat Geo folks told me that they thought I was full of myself and full of excuses. And I was, I was shocked. I was, I was ready to defend myself because their evaluation of me did not align with my self-image. I was sure that wasn't me. But before I let my ego take the wheel, I did a quick, you know, reflection. You know, I, I, I asked myself, did I, did I do anything particularly obnoxious or arrogant that day? 
Was I particularly argumentative with any of the judges? Basically, I was trying to figure out how my actions or, or how I could have contributed to their negative assessment of me. Because I'm self-aware like that. And it's hard to be aware because the default reaction when anything attacks our sense of self is to get defensive, angry, and petty. You know, we, we, we humans, we can be pretty juvenile sometimes. But I'm trying to break the chain. Anyway, I came to the conclusion that it simply couldn't be me. You see, here's the thing with these corporations and institutions we assign so much importance to. They expect us to simply be happy for being allowed a seat at the table. Perhaps all the other interviewees were submissive and agreeable to all their subjective interpretations. They, they expect us to hang out, I mean to hang onto their every word. And what, inev inev what inevitably happens is we give up our voice and we bend over to satisfy their rigid rules. Maybe they, they didn't like that I was speaking to them like equals and not like an amateur looking for cheap validation. I can't say for sure. Also, let me just add that they had some very valid criticisms about my work. In fact, they were right in most cases. They gave me a lot to think about. And I've made, you know, the necessary moves to rectify my mistakes and grow as an artist. But bringing my entire personality into the equation was unnecessary and, you know, it's, it's just not cool, Nagio. Not cool. I'm aware of my shortcomings and my strengths. I'm far from perfect, but I will not be talked out of my ability to create. And they took that as me being full of myself and having excuses. Man... I won't lie, it hurt, because this is the world that we live in. Anything that resembles self-belief is usually negatively received in our society. You're expected to apologize for being yourself, to dull your colors so as not to offend, and to placate egos while talking yourself down. Be careful not to let these institutions get in your head. Be confident and kind. Be who you are and allow others the liberty to do the same. That's just me, right? That's, that's, that sounds like common sense, but yeah. So back to Nagio. It's nice to be accepted and recognized by them, but you don't need them to be successful. If you're a photographer and you're listening to this, if you're any kind of, you know, artist or creative who, you know, you're constantly submitting your works to all these um, organizations and, 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 you know, all these things that are supposed to be bodies that run these things. You shouldn't have to compromise your good taste. Because these institutions live and die by rules. And as a result, they can't stand people who challenge those rules. Who don't worship at their altars. So it must be arrogance to stand up for yourself. <laughs> Jokers. Needless to say, I did not win the grant. Maybe I should have sold my soul for $5,000 and some bragging rights. Nah. They've not seen the last of me though. Believe that. <laughs> So that brings me to the end of this episode. Please forgive me. I, I did not realize when my story turned into a rant. I've seen some things in this industry. And like I said earlier, it's not for the faint of heart. Especially when things don't work out how we expect them to at first. 
If you derive your sense of satisfaction from doing the actual work as opposed to the physical rewards from said work, you will never truly run low on enthusiasm. So my advice when you're faced with all these kinds of you know, challenges and, res- and responses and disappointments and rejections, just do the work. And by your work, they shall know you. Just keep your head down. Get better at what you do. And do it every day. Do it consistently. Do it long enough. And obviously, just add some sense and some strategy in there somewhere. And it will all come together in the end. That said, I wrap this episode of The Creative Habit. I hope the stories and the lessons within them resonated with you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share, subscribe, and rate this episode. Also, check me out on Twitter, Instagram, at Rodney Avo, Rodney Avio, one word. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Rodney out.